Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. ESNY. Chip Murphy. Chip, what's going on? How you doing? Well, what's going on is we just got the news that Le'Veon Bell was cut, but uh, so not doing great after that. But uh, uh, excited to not be focusing on that and be talking basketball instead. Agreed. Uh, no Jet yeah. fan is, is probably too happy right now with, with that yeah. news. Um, listen, I'm a Giants fan, so my team's not in much better shape. So, so what are you going to do about New York's New York sports and New York football particularly. Um, and that's probably why we're talking basketball outside of the fact that this is a basketball podcast. Um, but anyone who listens to the show knows that Chip and I have been knee deep in um, draft coverage and, and, and our NBA A through Z series as well, covering all of the teams in the association, their outlook, um, potential draft prospects, things of that nature. Uh, and we've been really, um, you know, very fortunate to have on some really good guests lately. And that hasn't changed tonight. Uh, once again, very fortunate to be talking to someone from the Auburn basketball program, video coordinator, Ian Borders. Ian, what's going on, man? Thank you for coming on to the show. Listen, all this football talk, I'm, I got to pause it just because I'm a Falcons fan. So I'm oh, right there. Man. <laughs> Listen, after after that Super Bowl, after the twenty eight to three debacle, it's it's been all downhill from there. So I'm I'm with I'm with you, New York. I'm with you. You know what's funny too is I uh you know, I I, I was fortunate enough to draft Calvin Ridley onto my fantasy football team. But Great believe pickup, yeah. but believe it or not, I was thinking about trading him after the um, the zero point you know, when I think it was against the Packers, right? And it wasn't because I didn't think he was going to be good. It was honestly because I thought the coach would get fired. He might get traded. I didn't know what was going to happen with that. There's a lot of just turmoil right now with the organization. And they got talent there. They got no, no shortage no, no. of talent. But it's just who knows what's going to happen with that. Uh, That's but the I, thing. The offense, the offense looks pretty good other than yeah. the last game. But the defense is just atrocious. They, no, they can't cover a chair right can't. now. It's crazy. No, no, no. no. Yeah. No doubt. It's uh, uh, maybe, maybe we could play the Jets, and at least one we can at least have like a you know a, a nice draft pick party or something, and just yeah. cheer for whoever loses. Right, the it's Trevor like Lawrence bowl. Tank no. for <laughs> tank for yeah. Trevor or whatever. Even though I mean, <laughs> defense, defense, defense. We gotta have defense. Absolutely. Um, but in in transitioning into what we're talking about tonight, we are very happy. Like I said before to have Ian on the show. 
Um, we are obviously going to be talking about uh, one of the premier draft prospects in Isaac Okoro. Uh, very pumped to talk about him. But before we get into that, Ian, if you could just kind of take us behind the curtain a little bit, talk about your day-to-day responsibilities with Auburn, obviously a program that has seen a lot of success uh, recently. Um, Bruce Pearl is obviously one of the most respected coaches in the nation. If you could just talk about the experience being with them. I know you, you spent some time with Florida State as well. Um, but just what this year has kind of been like for you so far? Yeah, it's been hectic. Just like just like anything, you know, in everybody's day to day life, you know, with the coronavirus and everything, it's been it's been hectic to say the least. But at the same time, I mean, our our biggest thing is to stay right and stay ready. And so we've been training, we've been going through our day to day practices, we've been you know doing our weekly COVID tests, like like most of the other programs are doing right now. And so. Um, that'll ramp up quite a bit here in the next probably three weeks or so once, you know, I think our season starts officially November 25th. Um, but just a normal day in the day in the life of, you know, a video coordinator at Auburn is it's a lot of scouting. It's a lot of, uh, recruiting prep. Uh, it's a lot, listen, in terms of Isaac, you know, two years ago, I got, or I guess three years ago now I got to Auburn. The final four year was my first year on staff, uh, at Auburn. So it was a great year to be a part of the program. You know, Bruce Pearl brings so much energy to this community, uh, a community that desperately wanted it, needed it. And when he came in, he absolutely lit a fire under him. And, um, you know, recruiting has picked up, winning has picked up, and uh, just everything has been pretty good. And we've been blessed to, to be able to coach people like Isaac Okoro, who, um, let's face it, he's, he's an absolute stud. Yeah, and um, and competing with Alabama football is is no easy task. But um, when you've had the success that you guys have had, and when you have such a definitely a colorful personality like Bruce Pearl, um, he's he's the man on the sidelines. Like he will definitely take some of the attention and heat off those players. I'm sure people appreciate that. Uh, he seems like such an easy guy to be around, um, which is which is certainly cool for sure. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he, he always tells the, our guys, say, look, I'm going to talk, I'm going to talk trash for you. I'm going to, I'm going to do a little bit of shit talking myself. Sorry if I'm not allowed to cuss. No, of course, of course. Oh no, you can curse. You're good. All right. But, uh, <laughs> but no, he's, he tells them, I expect you guys to bag me up. And, and luckily we've had some players the past few years that, that have been able to do that. So. And it seems like, uh, especially this past season, Isaac Okora was, was one of those guys, especially with the way that he plays. Um, you know, six foot six, and and I'm trying to get the wingspan down, but it's anywhere from six eight to six ten, two hundred and twenty five pounds, uh, a real beast when he can get downhill, um, and drive. the The numbers were definitely impressive. 20, 2019, 2020 all SEC, all SEC defense. Really an explosive and powerful athlete with a great motor. What did you see? When you guys were in the process of recruiting him from high school, because I believe he was a top uh, 35 or at least a top 40 recruit. Um, right. What did you guys see was the biggest thing that changed from when you got him onto campus? Um, fast forward until we get to now, you know, in the heat of the draft process, what's the biggest thing that has changed and improved for him? You know, Isaac is a constant worker, which is fits in well with our program and the kind of kids that we try to, to bring on. You know, the Auburn family, we, we try to, in recruiting, emphasize the fact that every other sport, are they're winning championships. They're Olympians. They're gold medal. I mean, it's across the board in the sports. And really, before BP got there, 
you know, basketball was sort of the outlier. It was almost like the anomaly within Auburn athletics. Um, and so we knew what we had. We knew that, that we would be able to kind of build something special. And Isaac fit the mold to a T of what we wanted, a, a hard worker, somebody who we didn't feel like was crowned in the recruiting process, somebody that we felt like was kind of a blue-collar kid, uh, not necessarily – you know, a big pitch for us is blue-collar, not blue-blood. Um, and so some kids – thrive on that. And, and some kids, they kind of shun away from it. And Isaac absolutely took, you know, every advantage that he possibly could and, and ran with it. The, the one thing that I probably would say, he was always a great defender. In high school, he would switch one through five. I mean, he was as big as most of the centers, you know, when, when they won that national title uh, that, that year at 6'6". He definitely had a grown man's body in high school. And so in terms of that, when he got to campus, we knew that there were certain things that he would already be able to do. We kind of joked on campus when when our season got maybe three or four games in, you know, he we had six or we had five seniors. We joked that he was our sixth senior. You know, mm. he started with all seniors and we brought another senior that probably was probably should have been starting on most teams. We brought him off the bench just because Isaac was so special. The thing that probably he got the most, you know, he improved the most in a very short time was just his decision-making on the ball offensively. In high school, he was off the ball quite a bit. Uh, you know, Sharif Cooper, who, who's with us now, was, was their point guard, and, and he's a stud. I mean, you, you want the ball in his hands as much as you possibly can. But Isaac didn't have the ball in his hands as much as most of the high, high-level recruits, which is probably why he fell a little bit in the recruiting rankings. But there was no doubt when we saw him in practice, his decision made. We put him, we put the ball in his hand, you know, I would say out of our offense probably 75% of the time when he was on the court, just to let him be the decision maker and to let him be the guy that sort of initiates – not necessarily the offense bringing the ball down the court, but initiates kind of the playmaking mode for him, like you said, to get downhill, uh, for him to get downhill and maybe make a pass, you know, cause a Euro step to, to create, you know, some sort of space for a defender to come over. Uh, and it, it, it became very evident that he was a great decision maker, but also, you know, we went on the road early in the season last year to South Alabama, which no power five team goes to, you know, a mid-major program and plays at their place. The crowd was ruckus. I mean, they had Waka Flocka just like pumping in the background. <laughs> um, and I mean, it was a tight game it was early in the season. And I'd say the last three minutes of that Isaac just took over and they had a monster dunk uh, that kind of set the crowd quiet a little bit and then came down and ended up hitting you know, a last second shot that really put us over the edge. It was an offensive rebound. Somebody else took the shot, offensive rebound. He just, he just finds a way to win. Crazy stat. I mean, it's, I know I'm getting way off topic here, but it blows my mind. He didn't lose a game in 2019, period. When we lost our first game at Alabama in, in 2020, I mean, we went back and we were kind of joking with him like, dude, what? what's wrong with you? Like, you're not, a, you're not allowed to lose games. And of course, you know, he kind of just smirked it off and didn't think it was that funny because we had just lost, but uh, he's a special talent. Yeah. I saw that there's an article on empire sports media and uh, his AAU coach and agent Omar Cooper is yep. in it. And he's talking about how uh, Okoro didn't lose a game in his entire,
entire high school career. He never lost. And he's talking about how he won championships all through like middle school. And when he was even younger than that, he just has won at every level. And that's like one thing that really stuck out to me because I remember you, the, all the criticism about uh, Anthony Edwards, where you know that his high school teams weren't quite up to that level. And obviously we saw Georgia really struggle this year. And like you were talking about how smart Okoro plays and it's pretty clear when you watch him and Anthony Edwards is kind of his decision-making isn't really on that level, but uh, yeah, it's just refreshing to kind of see, to see a prospect has won so, so much. It's just so impressive to see that. Winning matters, right? I mean, you want, you want winners to be a part of your culture. You want winners to be a part of your program. And you know, there's, Clearly, based on those stats, there's no better winner than Isaac, which, you know, we went through the other day and we're just kind of joking with him. And we were like, you know, what was your biggest hardship? What's been your biggest hardship in life so far? And he said, well, not having the opportunity to win the national title. And it's kind of crazy when you think about it, but what, that's how much winning means to him is the fact that he, when that was taken from him with the virus, I mean, it, that was his biggest hardship in his life, which is oh. kind of bizarre to think about. Uh, but you know, that's, that's his mentality and winning is his culture. It's his brain. Yeah. I saw the letter he wrote to Auburn after he decided to go to yeah. the draft. Is that like a normal thing that guys who play there do after they leave school? Or is that something that was unique for him? No, it was super unique for him. Uh, he, I'll be honest with you. He really didn't want to leave. He, he wanted to compete, uh, and, and be able to, compete for a national title and when we when we started to go through the process and his you know about midway through the season we kind of joked around as a staff and said you boys better get you know don't get used to this this guy's this guy's not going to be around too long and uh you know he started going moving moving up the draft boards here and there and um you know i think at the end of the day the scouts are not idiots i mean they they been around long enough and they've seen enough players they see they they travel you know so many places so many days a week and uh every single one of them that i've talked to they're just so impressed with isaac and just the way he presents himself the way he works because i mean even after games he would he would if he had a tough game he'd be in the gym shooting he'd be in the gym working on his ball handling he'd be in the gym finishing around the basket i mean he's he just has a motor like like the only person I could probably compare him to in all seriousness is, is a Malik Beasley who I was with at Florida state who literally lived in the gym. Wow. Now I wouldn't compare their games by any means, but just in terms of their work ethic and, and the way that they sort of carry themselves as they attack the game, uh, both of them are, are quite similar. Would you say, um, and if you're not allowed to say, feel free to let us know, but would you say that there's any one team that has scouted him more than anybody else or called you guys about a coral more than any other team? Yeah, I, I, I probably shouldn't say that. I, right. I will say uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of interest in him within the top five. Gotcha. Um, those, those teams, and a lot of it is just them d- doing their research. You know, I mean, they're calling left and right just to make sure. And, and with, as you guys know, with an investment pick like that, when anytime you're in the lottery, I mean, you, you need to make the right pick. 
And if you want a future for your franchise and if you want to make sure that you're, you know, making the correct decisions, not only on the court, but in the locker room, in terms of culture, in terms of just bringing a winning brand, you know, you're in the most, most of the time you're in, a, in the lottery for a reason, unfortunately. And there's something that needs to change. And, and I think a lot of people are very intrigued with Isaac just as a whole. Yeah. I, I would agree too, and I think um, we already touched on it a little bit, but uh, the defense is 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 really stout, and it, and it really jumps out on tape. Um, yeah. He has so many tools that stand out on tape, whether it's the lateral quickness, um, explosiveness that allows him to get you know weak side blocks. He's rarely out of position. He's got the versatility to switch. But of all of those things that you've seen. And um, being around him, what defensively, in terms of his tools, what stands out the most? And what do you think will have the biggest impact at the pro level? Yeah, I mean, he's a grown-ass man already. Okay. I mean, his, his legs are like tree trunks. He looks like, he looks like a defensive end, to be honest yeah. with you. But he, his on-the-ball defense is, is special. And, and the year before, when we went to the Final Four, we, we put Bryce Brown. I don't, I don't know how much your listeners know about Auburn basketball we put Bryce Brown, who we felt like was a very talented on-the-ball defender, um, up most of the time. We we press and we pick up full court, and, you know, it's part of our brand. And we had a little bit of a, a bigger team last year, uh, which is a little bit different for kind of the style that we like to play. We were a little bit more of a downhill driving team last year, and frankly it was because Isaac Okoro was a downhill driver. Mm. And we wanted to cater to the things that – were best for him, but his on-the-ball defense uh, was special. There, there's really only one game that I could remember that, that he, he really struggled, uh, and that's – everybody struggled against Kyra Lewis for Alabama, and he's going to be a top – he's probably going to be a lottery pick because of it. Uh, the kid is just lightning quick, and I mean, yeah. I, I is, is 6'6", and he is a bigger frame – but that explosive step for Cairo was just something elite. Other than him, we we matched him up with every player's point guard, and I mean every team's point guard in the country uh, in the SEC. It didn't matter, and he shut him down. A lot of scouts keep asking me, and say, "Well, why why are his rebounding, his defensive rebounding numbers just aren't maybe what you would see in somebody that kind of plays his position?" I said, "Well, dude, because we haven't guarded point guards." Mm. He was switching from point guard to shooting guard. If they did any dribble handoff, if they did any kind of, you know, any kind of ball screen, any kind of cut, he was switching onto the ball. And now for me, at the next level, obviously the NBA is huge into switching. I think he'll be elite at that. He was the best in practice. We had Austin Wiley, who's, you know, it depends on what you look at, but he's kind of a second-round guy probably. Played on Team USA, 6'10", 7' whatever wingspan and Isaac was the best at guarding him wow. which is I mean I mean we had three four other centers on the team but it was like you know Isaac it didn't matter who he was matched up on he would use the tools whether it was his strength or his quickness and being able to you know I used to joke with him oh are you a geometry major or something and you just seem to play angles unbelievably well and it's just a knack it's just a feel for for that side of the ball that he has and and I, you know, again, it's it's shown on tape, and I, I believe that's why he's going to be a special talent. Yeah, he. Um, 
I think I was looking at the numbers on Synergy too. I think he was in the 90th percentile and allowing points in isolation isolation possessions, which just shows you how good his on-ball defense is. And you kind of touched on one of the questions that I wanted to ask too, but maybe um, you can talk about another opponent as well. I was going to ask you, who is the best opposing player that you guys played against this year? And how did yeah, Isaac fare in terms of guarding him? And, and even if it was Kyra, or maybe there's another player that gave you guys a hard time. And, and you know, how did Isaac kind of fare in terms of matching up against him? Yeah, I mean, I think I think probably the one, the obvious one is Anthony Edwards. We we put Isaac on him at our place every time we could, and he shut him down. I mean, if you go back and watch the tape, I yeah. think I think Anthony ended up having he may have gotten to twenty points in that game, but I think fifteen of them came in the last like four minutes when the game was a blowout, and we had you know our, our subs in. Right. And so, and then the second game, Isaac didn't play. Uh, he was he had a little bit of a hamstring thing, and and so we held him out that game. He had it been tournament time or anything like that, he would have played. Um, and Anthony Anthony Edwards came out and dominated. Uh, frankly, I mean he he shot the ball really well at their place and 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 played really well. Um, in terms of of pure talent, though. Um, I'll, I'll go a little bit off the wall and probably say Skylar Mays for LSG. Oh, was wow. Okay. The best overall player that we played this year. And I'm actually surprised that he is a little lower on draft. Yeah. Just because- he's, a lot of people have him in the second round. Uh, even yeah, even wow. the Knicks have a, a pick in the, in the thirties. It's the yeah. 38th. And I've seen a lot of, he's around that high thirties, low forties, yeah. but I guess he, he made an impression on you. He's, he's the real deal now. Wow. I mean, he, uh, he is um, being able to see him kind of run the team this year. You know, the year before they had Tremont Waters, who I really liked as a hell of a player. Um, I think he'll end up getting a little bit of clock, you know, for the Celtics. But yep. um, Skyler Mays, you know, Ky- Kyra's special too. And, and once Kyra develops a little bit more consistent shot, I think he's got a chance to be really, really good in, in the pros. Uh, his speed, he's, he's like a, he's like a uh, De'Aaron Fox. I mean, his, he's just lightning quick, um, can get downhill off those, you know, step-up screens really, really well. And when teams switch on him, it's a disaster. I mean, at, at their place, I think they beat us by probably 20. It was probably our worst game of the year. They beat us pretty good. But they uh, they just put him on constant downhill screens and tried to switch Isaac off of him. Uh, but even then, you know, occasionally he would, he would get downhill on Isaac and make the right decision. And so – um, you know, I think those three players were were probably the top top of the crop in terms of um, the players that we saw this year. Do you ever worry that um, Isaac expends so much energy on the defensive end that it, it affects his offensive game, or he's his motor is just so crazy that he's he he's fine with it? Yeah, I mean his he's got a great motor. Um, and, you know, with, with the subbing in the NBA, I think, I think they do a good job of sort of catering to, you know, people's minutes and understanding, you know, what their level of, of, you know, being able to get up and down is. And, and let's be honest, it's, it's a little bit of a slower pace game, especially during the regular season than, right. than a lot of the college games. Um, and I mean, we press, we, we press like crazy. And so we, we, de- you know, for better, or for worse, we demanded on both ends. We, 
we demand for you to be kind of hectic and crazy on defense and be able to disrupt. And offensively, we want you to be poised and sound, but still run it with run our stuff with pace. And so, you know, in terms of Isaac, I, I don't think that would ever be an issue for him. Uh, I, I rarely saw him ask, you know, to come out of the game. He, he just, he just will give it everything he's got, you know, for, I know it's a really cliche term, but, uh, he's just a worker, man, and and he won't be outworked on the court. And you know, defensively, we asked him to do a hell of a lot now, like a lot. And offensively, he, like I told you, was our best decision maker. And so we put the ball in his hands a lot. And so even where fatigue sort of disrupts certain individuals uh, in terms of how they, you know, will be affected on the offensive end, I I rarely saw him make a bad decision, even even when fatigued. He really does sound like a perfect fit on a Tom Thibodeau team. Like he would fit in perfectly on a Tibbs Absolutely. team. Absolutely. I, I, I'm, I'm, I can only imagine. Is now I'm going to ask a very ignorant question. Is he? Is he the GM there also? No, no, no. No, that and, and that's, those. I'm sure he's in those war rooms saying, "Listen, I need Isaac." Because I listen, Kevin Knox. I know Kevin Knox well just from my time at Florida State. We thought we had him. And so, uh, really? you know, dad was a Florida State guy. So I, I think Kevin Knox has the potential to get there. And obviously the Mitchell kid, I, I, think, I, I think defensively the Knicks have a chance. Uh, now, obviously, wing defenders are critical, which is probably why Isaac is on most of their boards. So what do you think of Kevin Knox? Like, uh, what do you mean you think he can get there? Like, as a defender or just as a – like, his jump shot? Because, obviously, his jump shot struggled, too. I mean, yeah, you know, th- we don't have to go down this road if you don't want to. I just – as a Knicks fan, I'd really like to hear your thoughts on him. I, th- I think he has a chance. I really do. Both okay. On both sides of the ball. His size, 6'8", six, 6'9", six, you know, he, he will shoot the ball better. Trust me. I, I'm very close with his trainer, and, and that kid's a worker now, too. And so, he is. He's still only yeah. 20, 21? Is yeah. he even 21? I don't think he's even – is he 21? I think he just is turned he 21, 21 earlier this year, I think. Okay. Yeah, I so think I there, mean, was, I... there was some type of happy birthday Kevin Knox thing going around. Oh, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, pretty yeah. sure he's 21. But um, on, that's I think that's the tough part about Knox, not to go too far down the, the Knox rabbit hole here. But I think like Knicks fans are – not so split on him because it, it's been a tough two years, but nobody nobody critiques his his work ethic. Like he's the hardest working guy. A on lot the team of people, is what everyone says. A lot of people say he's a gym rat. Like he's absolutely yeah. in it. It's just the court awareness, the focus, the defense. Um, and the Knicks have not, and we're Knicks fans, and the Knicks have not done him any favors in terms of development. Um, have not always put him in the best position to succeed. But he, there's no question, like, he has the tools to do it. Like, absolutely. I'll be curious how the development starts to go now with the new staff. I mean, yeah. Coach, Coach Payne, uh, who you guys got from Kentucky, he recruited Kevin Knox. And so yeah. they have that relationship already. You know, R.J. Barrett, I think, is, is, has the potential to be special. Um, the pieces, I think, are there. Obviously, a, a point guard might – be in the works hopefully at some point yeah um but i think i think the the youth and the pieces are there i think adding you know one more 
solid defender. <laughs> I know I, I keep going kind of down this rabbit hole of, you know, Isaac's the guy, but, um, that's why you're on here. We don't, I truly do like the youth and the talent that the Knicks have now. Can they keep them together? Can they continue to develop? You know, I saw that Mitchell was working on his outside shot, shot and some his workouts. Mm-hmm. So yeah. anytime that you have a five that can stretch out like that, I mean, the teams that you see, you know, playing in the final fours and the, and the, you know, the conference finals of the NBA, those, those teams have guys that can shoot the ball. And so, especially bigs that can shoot the ball. And so, especially in our system, I mean, with, you know, Isaac, we played him at three and four. Now at, at the NBA, he's he could probably he's probably more two three, um, but you know in terms of it, it all and obviously small ball. I, so I'll I'll give you this. A scout asked me the other day. He said, "Who defensively would you compare him most to?" And I said, "Man, it's a tough question." But at the same time, like for me, PJ Tucker can switch one through five. Yes, and he's he's short. But he's stout, and he's a big body who can hit threes. Uh, you're probably not asking him to play make too much just because of the guys that you have. And so I, I would argue that's kind of, to me, that's kind of where Isaac is defensively. Somebody that can switch one through five is going to be a solid, you know, foundation piece for your defense. Somebody that can pick up at half court while also switching on to bigs. But at the same time, you know, I, I think he's more – I think he's got the potential to be more versatile than a PJ Tucker. The the closest I could probably say, I, I think at best, and his offensive game is not there yet. It 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 will get there, I think. But um, Jimmy Butler is kind of the guy that that we keep saying a two way player that um, you know. Expend, I mean, you saw if you watched any of the finals, Jimmy Butler gave it absolutely everything he had. Had two unbelievable games. And, and even then, you know, almost carried him in a couple of those other games. But um, he's going to give you everything you got on both ends. Yeah, Jimmy, Jimmy Butler. Yeah, and, oh, I, I was just going to say, I just looked it up quickly right when you said that because I just wanted to double check. Uh, Jimmy Butler made 36 three-pointers in college in three years. So yeah. just because all, all we talk about, I feel like, as Knicks fans is, with a Coro is the jumper. I just wanted to double check that real quick. Well, and that's Sorry, what to, that's yeah. what scouts the scouts have yeah. have asked the same thing. And I and I'll like I said, we've Isaac has really trusted us as a staff in terms of his development, and uh, that's continued even when he declared for the draft. So he's he's been here training with us every single day. He does three workouts a day, and I can tell you one of those is simply spot shooting. And, you know, it's it's not rare for him to shoot in the 70-80% of spot shooting, um, which at the end of the day, that's that's all you can ask is to knock down open shots. Definitely one of the questions that I wanted to ask with the shot, um, I'm sure you hear it all the time, the elbow flares out a little bit. Sometimes on the free throws, there's a little bit of a hitch. Um, again, as someone who's worked with him, at the next level, do you think he just needs – more repetitions with the same form and mechanics that he has now? Or do you think that there will have to be some tweak in order to reach his potential? So that's, that's kind of what he spent this offseason doing a little bit. He's, he's tweaked a couple things with his shot, tried to make his, his upper half a little bit more fluid. Um, you mentioned the hitch in the free throw. We felt like he had a hitch on his threes also. Okay. And so um, occasionally 
he would shoot on the way down also. And so we've, we have tried to sort of just sim- simplify his shot, get his left hand off of it a little bit more um, to just make it a, a, a more pure release um, and a little bit more fluid release. And, and I think that has helped him on his free throws also. Um, it's, I can say it's definitely helped him on his, on his three point shot. Um, but even with that, I, I tell the scouts all the time, the percentages are, are the percentages. There's no doubt about that, but go watch two games, watch Kentucky at our place and watch LSU. And in both of those games, he hit clutch threes with dudes in his face with less than, you know, a couple minutes left and very, very close games, two of what one of which we were losing. So um, he just, he has that, that knack, man. He's, he's got that kind of killer gene that uh, is, is rare. Let's be honest. It's, there's a lot of really talented players out there, but it's rare to have sort of that killer mentality uh, that, that he has on both sides of the ball. And where do you feel like that comes from? I'm always interested when I'm reading up and learning about prospects, like, there always is something that separates the great ones from people who may just make it or be mediocre or average. But but being around him, what have you seen that kind of separates him from others? And at your at, and during your time at Auburn, do you feel like he's the most impressive prospect that you've come across? Yeah. So let me go to the first one. Um, you know, I well, let, let me start with the second one actually. I'll, I'll, I'll come back. I need to think on that one a little bit. Um, Chumo Kiki was, was special. And I know a lot of Magic just, fans are still waiting. And, and People haven't seen Chumo yet. I know. I know. <laughs> and uh, and he, he, he fought really hard to be able to come back during this whole little bubble thing. And, and they kind of pushed back a little bit to say, well, yo, let's, let's wait one more year and let's, just, let's see how this – let's continue to let this heal. Um, I, I really think that he is going to – hit the NBA ground running full speed. And um, I love Chumo. I love Chumo Kiki. With that said, it took us two years with Chumo. Um, Chumo was a very good worker, but I wouldn't put him on the level with Isaac. In terms of just draft prospects, uh, Jonathan Isaac is, is probably still, you know, in my time at Florida State, um, that dude was a freak, man. Chip is now, a massive had, Jonathan Isaac fan. I'm a huge Jonathan Isaac fan. <laughs> I, I, for a variety of levels, you know, somebody again, one of the scouts asked me, I said, "Well, what? Out of all the guys you've been around, you've been around a lot of good wings and four men and kind of stretch four guys. Who who would you take out of all those?" And I said, "On their on their prime, with their." you know, with their ceiling, it would be really, really hard for me to go against Jonathan Isaac. However, I don't think you can go wrong with any of those three, just because they have that mentality. They have that work ethic. And again, I'm, I'm clearly biased because I've been around them and I know them personally, but, um, those guys, man, they, Isaac's got a real chance. Chuma really has a, has a serious chance. And it, at the end of the day, it all depends on development and how teams decide to use them. And, you know, as long as, those, as long as those two things work out, they got a chance. What, what was the first question again? I, I forgot. Oh, um, just kind of what you saw from Isaac in terms of um, what, what, 
gives him that killer instinct or what you've seen from him that kind of drives that motor. You know what I mean? Not every player is, yeah. is, is like that. And I think it's always interesting to kind of dive into what separates, you know, one player from another. A lot of people would argue these days that the AAU circuit has kind of changed players and, and changed the culture of winning. Um, I'm, I'm not necessarily one of those people. I think there's a lot of kids in the EYBL and, and the Under Armour Circus and the Adidas. I, I think kids enjoy winning, but I, I, I do think that it when you have a game at 12 and then you have a game at you know, 3 o'clock, if you lose a 12 o'clock game, you, you sort of delete that from your brain and you start immediately thinking about the 3 o'clock game. Same thing with winning. Like when you win the 12 o'clock game, you're automatically instantly thinking about the three o'clock game. And, and it's kind of this, you know, culture of, all right, on to the next one, on to the next one. And so with some kids, we do have to get that out of, we do have to push the AAU stuff to the side and, and say, look, winning matters here for a variety of reasons. Let's go ahead and get it. Never had to have that conversation with Isaac. The, the thing that I would probably say, uh, is most of the reason for that is he comes from an unbelievable family that really put an emphasis on education and, and being successful, whatever that means for him. And for him, being successful was winning, you know, whether it was the classroom, whether it was in, you know, the academics, whether it was on the court, whether it was in, you know, Frisbee, it, it didn't matter. Winning mattered to him. And so, I used to always joke saying, man, were, were you one of those kids growing up that when you struck out in baseball, you like threw the bat and started crying and all this. And, and he kind of laughed. He was like, I never played baseball. <laughs> Basketball. And so I think as a, as a, a piece of kind of who he is, basketball definitely resonates in that. Um, and, you know, I think Omar posted a picture, Omar Cooper, uh, his AAU coach posted a picture of all those kids when they were like, third or fourth grade the other day. Uh, and of course there's Isaac right there holding the championship trophy. And so with some of those guys, it just in, gets ingrained in them at a young age. And once you kind of taste winning a little bit, it, it's, it's, it's a, it's a drug, man. You, you want to move on to the next one and you can't wait to have the opportunity to compete. Absolutely. Um, then a, a lot of great stuff about Okoro. I think, um, one of the things I also wanted to ask you in, in line with kind of just off the court, um, work ethic, leadership, things like that. Um, as a freshman, obviously it can be tough to assert yourself as a leader. Uh, did you find that there were moments where he did that? Anything that he did specifically that stood out to you? And another thing I wanted to ask is obviously as the video coordinator, um, I would love to know how active he is with you, you know, in terms of conversations about, you know, opposing defensive coverages, things like that. Um, you know, cause all of those things I feel like, you know, translate a lot at the next level. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he, he, he studies the game. He, he love he truly loves the game. And I think, I think when you get to the NBA, you have to love the game. It's clearly a business. And I think the people that separate the idea of, of business and loving the game are the ones that end up having the most success. And, you know, it. you look at, at even the finals. I mean, it was very clear the culture of the Heat and the talent of the Lakers, but most everybody on that court just loved to play the game. Right. And, 
and Isaac clearly loves it. Every every single game, he would ask me for different matchups. Uh, we we obviously do different personnel, and, and in our film sessions with the whole team, we'll have anywhere from five to ten clips on each guy. But he would always come to me afterward and ask for just every single like their past one hundred possessions. Wow. For for better for worse, because we're showing them for the most part they're good clips. But he also wanted to study their bad clips and see, okay, what, where does he struggle? Why does he do this? Why, can he go left? Can he go right? Which way should I be forcing him? And if he does go this way, what's his best move? And so he would be sitting on the bus just on the way to games, just constantly watching those, those clips on the individual personnel. Um, you know, in terms of, again, his work ethic, he had – on a final four team, his senior year, we made it to the final four. The next year we, we had five seniors. We called him our sixth senior. I know I've already said that, but I think it's worth repeating just because we went, we started the season 15 and 0. We're ranked fourth in the country. Our first real road game was at Alabama. Um, in terms of, no, I shouldn't say that, not our first <clears throat> road game, but our first loss was at Alabama. And he didn't, he didn't play particularly well, and, and it devastated him. I mean, it one, just because obviously down here, Auburn, Alabama is a big deal. But f- for him just to lose and to felt like he let the team down um, meant something to him. And he's not a vocal kid at all. But everything that he does on the court just screams leadership. And people tended to follow after him. A fun fact, I mean, we, again, we, we went to Florida, I think, after that, struggled that game, but then went on another little winning streak, uh, seven or eight games. And then he kind of tweaked his hamstring a little bit. And we lost the next two out of three. Um, and just haven't, like, told our guys – that Isaac was back at Tennessee, the whole locker room lit up just because they knew. I mean, it's a certain – he's a certain type of kid that you want him on the court. You want to play with him. And it was astonishing to me to watch our seniors react in that way, a bunch of seniors that played very, very significant minutes in the Final Four and on the run to the Final Four. I mean, we played 11 guys on that Final Four team. And so – you know, for those guys to see Isaac coming in, to see his work ethic, and to ultimately put the trust in him to say, yo, Samir Dowdy was probably our vocal leader on the team, a Philly kid, who I, I really think he's got a chance to be a second rounder. And, and even if he's not, I think he's got a great shot to make a team just because he's a winner also. Um, but the fact that, that all of those guys, including Samir, put their trust in Isaac as a freshman – on a veteran team spoke volumes about his work ethic and, and his talent. Wow. Um, Chip, is there a, a, any, anything else that you have for, for Ian? Uh, I do want to ask about Jared Harper. Oh uh, yeah. The next, yeah, hey, yeah. 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 <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. A great one. I yeah. just, yeah. Just, your, just your thoughts on him. Cause the Knicks just, Picked him up. Obviously, he was great in the G League, so yeah. we're excited to see what he can do. Yeah, I think I, I just don't think it worked out money-wise with the Suns. I, we were all kind of shocked that they, they let him go. Um, 
Jared's special, man. That that little guy, man, he is he's special. He's I used to call him Mike Wazowski. He's like he's like five nine, five ten. He'll claim six one, six two, but he's like <laughs> five nine, five ten. And his but his wingspan is like yeah. six six. He's all arms and legs. And so for us, I mean, he he legitimately was our leader. We we allowed him to to make play calls. Um, he and Bryce Brown and Chuma, I mean, obviously were the centerpieces of our Final Four run, and especially him in the Kentucky game. I mean, they they kept trying to switch bigs onto him that are pros, and wasn't a, was no contest. Uh, he's just so smart. Whether he could, he's got a great pull game. He could finish around the basket, but. I think I think the length of his arms and his ability to get to his spots to be able to make certain passes is unique. And I think I want to say there's only maybe five or so, we did the research on it a couple of years ago. There may be five or six guys under six foot in the league. And so when we we told him, we said, "Look, you have a true shot. You've got a great shot to make make it in the league." But understand the odds are not in your favor. And understand that your work ethic has to be so much to everybody else's. And he's always been a great worker. He's a gym rat. He's been working out in Atlanta, um, you know, with with a couple guys that I, I think are, are really good for him. Um, his dad is still very close with our program. And so it's uh, – Jared, I think, has a chance. And, you know, will, will he come in and be a starter for the next? Probably not. Does he have a chance to come in and be a, a, a very solid backup and a kind of a change of pace guard for the for the Knicks? I think he could. I think he could. And so, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I think most people get concerned about defense with guys under six foot. Um, but he he's a crafty little guy, man. He he drew more charges, and, and I, I was only with him for that one year, that final four years. So, um, you know, he he drew more charges that year than. Um, even on bad matchups, when when he'd get switched on to bigs for whatever reason, um, but I think his best his best attribute is is his mind. He is he's fearless. Uh, he's a confident kid, and and he he's got a true chance uh, if he's given a shot. Yeah, I uh, I'm definitely interested to see how he plays out. I think he's on a two way contract with us now, so. He'll, he'll spend a lot of time in the Westchester, you know, the Knicks G League affiliate. But, I, you know, with the way our, our team is right now and, you know, the fact that we're not really close to contending, um, I'm sure he'll get a shot up, up with the pro team. I think he'll definitely get a shot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so it'll be interesting. Uh, I do remember his performance during that, that Final Four run, and he, yeah. was, he was very entertaining. Like, no question about it. You couldn't take your eyes off him. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. if 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 your if your listeners want to have an entertain one of the most entertaining games I've ever been a part of, go watch the Auburn versus North Carolina Sweet Sixteen game in 2019. Between yeah. him and Kobe White was one of the fastest paced games I had ever seen. And I mean, it was it was like a tennis match. That, hell, it was like a ping pong match. It was unbelievable <laughs> how fast the ball was going back and forth. That is awesome, man. Uh, well, in addition to Jared, uh, we're we're very interested in seeing where Isaac ends up going. Um, no question, just based off his physical tools, um, a lot of the intangibles that you talk about, which is super important to us. Like, uh, you know, I'm 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 pretty sure he's going to be successful. 
And I, I hope, even though, you know, a, a lot of these guys, when we start hearing a lot of positive stuff about them, initially I'm kind of like, oh, I hope they end up with the Knicks. But in all honesty, I hope he just ends up in a good situation for him because he seems like he okay. has the tools to, to do really well and you just want him to get with a team that can develop him properly. No doubt. And I, like I said, I, I, I truly do. I, you know, I'm, I'm an Orlando Magic fan. I, I have been for a long time. But the Knicks, there's – I have always held a special heart, a place in my heart for the Knicks, just because, I mean, that's the Mecca. I mean, there's, there's truly nothing better when, than when the Knicks are good. And so, you know, it's, it's good for basketball. It's good for the NBA. Um, I'm keeping my fingers crossed. Yeah, man, we, we definitely are as well. And uh, before we let you go, if you could just tell anyone listening where they can find you on Twitter, and obviously we'll be pulling for uh, Auburn basketball this, this year as well. Yeah, so my, my Twitter handle is just my name, Ian Borders, and then the number seven. Um, you know, feel free to give me a follow if you want. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not a big Twitter guy, but uh, more of an Instagrammer. I think Instagram, my my uh, tag is just my name again, Ian Borders underscore AU, I think is what it is. So, um, yeah, loved, loved being on. I appreciate it, guys. Absolutely, man. This was definitely, um, you know, one of our best shows for sure. We, we enjoyed talking with you. Um, like I said, you know, be, be on the lookout for Auburn basketball this year for sure. Um, thanks for coming on. We appreciate you spending some time. And for anyone else listening out there, we hope everyone is staying safe and we'll talk to you soon. Appreciate it, guys.